Well, we are in our series, Loving Others, amen, and how love covers all wrongs. Love covers all wrongs. And um, today we come to the last message in our series on love covers all wrongs. And we started out talking a couple weeks ago about the extravagant, um, unbelievable love of God and how his love is not cautious, but he gives everything of himself and expects nothing in return from us. It's just an unbelievable love uh, that God has for each of us, you and I. And then we talked about loving ourselves and how important it is uh, to love ourselves the way that God loves us. That's, that's just as important as anything else. If we don't love ourselves the way that God loves us, we're doing a disservice to his love and a disservice to the cross. All right, so you must love yourself the same way that God loves you. And I want to finish off today by talking about loving others, but specifically about loving unlovable people. Come on, loving unlovable people. Really? Uh, no one is unlovable, but we feel like they're unlovable. <laughs> Come on. Uh, because if, if, if it's true that anyone else is unlovable, then it's also true that you're unlovable. Come on. Uh, because all have sinned. I believe I read that somewhere from Paul and come short of the glory of God. Amen. But for all intents and purposes of this particular message, we're going to talk about loving unlovable people. And you know, on your life's journey, just like on my life's journey, we have come across people that are, we would think are unlovable, right? They rub you the wrong way, whether they're family members or coworkers, teammates, uh, classmates, you know, it doesn't often it's somebody probably close to you, <laughs> you know, a sibling, you know, a best friend. Uh, but there are those people that just seem to be unlovable. And then there are those people that do wrong things. OK, um, you know, that, that we would say, hey, you know, this, this person just has a bad attitude. Uh, they're not a good person. They tell dirty jokes. They uh, always offend and put me down. You know, they're definitely unlovable. But what we discover is that Christ loves everyone the same. The unconditional love of God is not predicated upon your actions. Mm. That's that's <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of hard to take sometimes. Now we're talking about the love of God. We're not love comes with correction in all of those things, and we're not going to get into that today. But the, you know, there's correction, and there's chastisement, and there's uh, you know a conviction, and all of those things. But the love is not any different. OK, and then you would say, so, OK, if, if I'm a Christian, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a I'm a lover of God. Yeah, I'm born again. And how do then do I am I supposed to deal with this? Am I supposed to be, you know, a placemat to just let people run me over? How do we cope then with difficult people? You know, Jesus calls us to love selflessly. So are we to just force a smile and fake a laugh while inside we're fuming or hurt? Right. What do we do? We're cringing on the inside. How can we possibly be genuine with all of these negative emotions boiling just beneath the surface? Well, the answer is simple. We can't do it on our own. You don't have the capacity without God to love 
like God wants you to love. In fact, you don't have the capacity to love at all. You may think you do. You may do some kind acts or say some nice things, but it's not love. And we'll see that. We don't have the capacity to do it. So we, we, even though we occasionally have trouble loving even those that are dearest to us, it's something that God has called us to do. And the only true source of compassion, of strength and empathy and love is God. If we rely and embrace completely upon his endless source and his endless supply and his forgiveness for us, if we rely on that, then we can draw from his infinite provision and discover how we can love unlovable people more fervently and sincerely. Now, and I'm not just talking about, uh, we used to have a saying called putting on airs. <laughs> I'm not just talking about faking it. I'm not just talking about, well, God said I had to love you, so I'm going to love you, and I'll just tell you I love you, okay? <laughs> no, I'm talking about from the heart. I'm talking about your heart truly loving unlovable people, amen? First John chapter 4, one verse. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, beloved, let us. Now listen, can I just stop you right there? This word, let us, you, uh, this phrase, let us, these two words, you might think that Paul or Paul, John here, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit through John is saying, come on, can we not do this together? Like he's asking us or pleading. This, folks, is a command. Let us love one another. He's telling you. He's not asking. Okay? Let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You know what this one verse tells me? It tells me that, yes, it is a command that we are to love one another. But it says, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God. That means if you're not born of God, you don't love. You think you do. The world thinks they know what love is. They think they know. But it's based on emotion. And it's fleeting and it fails. But you see, Paul told the Corinthians that love never fails. Love never fails. So if you have a love that fails, then you need to relook at this verse. Because everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Love is of God. We know another scripture, we read it, I believe last week or the week before, that God is. It's who he is. He is love. There is no love without God. There is no love without God. And so it's impossible for us to love unlovable people without discovering the love of God, even in our own life, without being filled with his spirit. Okay. And so I want to give you um, some things to think about as it relates to loving unlovable people specifically. Right. God told us that we, we need to love one another. But here's some things to think about uh, as you go through life's journey. And I'm not talking about in church on Sunday morning or when we have a fellowship dinner or something like that, or we have some outing. Uh, it's easy to love then. All right. But I'm talking about when you're at work, when you're in class and when somebody talks bad about you or won't listen to you or turns their back on you or gives you the number one sign in traffic. 
come on, tells you that they are number one. All right. Uh, I'm talking about these times is when we need to draw on this love of God. And here's what we have to realize. Number one, we have to realize this. I said it, but God loves them just as much as he loves you. There is no difference. Think of the people of Nineveh. Most of us in here would know the story of Jonah. Even if you're not a church person, you've heard of this Jonah swallowed by a fish, or was he the guy who got the, the, the animals on the boat? Which one? No, Jonah was the one that got swallowed by a fish, right? We know that. But I want you to think about the story and think about the people of Nineveh, okay? The people of Nineveh were horrible people. If you've ever done any kind of study on, on this book of Jonah, you would know that they were evil and wretched. I mean, they were not ratchet. They were wretched. They were wretched people. They worshiped false gods. They were sworn enemies of God. They were savagely cruel. I mean, so cruel. I don't want to get too graphic, but they would skin the people that they caught and post them up to show their enemies, this is what we do. This is how we roll, okay? So don't cross us. This is, these are the people of Nineveh, all right? And Nahum chapter 3 verse 1 even said this. He went as far, the prophet went as far to say that Nineveh was the city of bloodshed. It's the city of bloodshed. And they're also known for employing brutal methods of killing captured warriors, all right, from other countries. This was a brutal people, all right? And then God, we know the story. God spoke to Jonah. I want you to go prophesy to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'll be right back. And he turned and went the other way, right? He went the other way. Jonah ran, swallowed by a fish. The fish spit him out three days later. We know that. And he finally went on and prophesied to Nineveh. And then something amazing happened when he prophesied to Nineveh. All right. They believed God. They, they, they tore their clothes after one message, which I had a powerful message like that. One message. I mean, they, they, they tore their clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. They repented. Even the king of Nineveh came down off his throne, tore his clothes, and declared a fast for the whole nation of Nineveh. These evil people, okay? And Jonah at that point said, see, I knew it. I knew. That's why I didn't want to preach to them. These are some evil people, and I knew you were going to forgive them. I knew as soon as I preached and they repented, you were going to forgive them. And they don't deserve forgiveness. Probably what he, he didn't say that in there. I'm, I'm, forgive me. But he's probably thinking they don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know what God would say? Oh, and you do? You do? None of us deserve to be forgiven, no matter what we've done. There are people that we just don't want to love. <laughs> we don't want to. I mean, maybe... We want to in our mind because we know it's the right Christian thing to do. But somewhere down in our heart, mm, mm. but we must realize that we were also unlovable. And God loves us, even though uh, you're so adorable. I know you are. Yes, you are adorable when you look in the mirror. But guess what? All have sinned and come short of God's glory. And he loves the people that you deem unlovable just as much as he loves you. So we have to realize that. 
We have to realize that. All right. And then the second thing is loving people that are unlovable. It is proof that God is in your life. It, that is the proof that God is in your life. It really is. We think that, um, you know, be, be, because we can speak and we, we uh, memorize some scriptures, all right, and, and these kind of things, that's proof that God is in our life. No, people can memorize stuff. That's not, it's, it's about results, as we talk, it's, right? The results, the fruit, the fruit, that's how we know. And, and this is one of those things. To be able to love unlovable people is, 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 is proof that God is in your life. You would know John 13, verses 34 to 37, where the Bible says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, okay? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by this will all know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. This is the way that all people will know that you are my disciples. And he didn't just say love for those people who are nice to you. For others, for others. I love the way the Living Bible puts verse 35 here. It says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, you have to understand this, that love is the single greatest evidence that God is dwelling with us, within us. We know that love on its own doesn't get us to where we need to be, okay? Faith is the greatest activator, but love is the greatest motivator, and they must go together. They must go together. Love is the greatest motivator. If his spirit is living within us, we will bear the fruit of love. Why? Because love is a component of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, the first one. First one he mentioned. And all of those, by the way, all of that really, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, like there's nine different fruits. No, you're not getting away that easy. All of it's one fruit. You're missing one, you're missing a piece of the fruit. Okay? All of it is the fruit of the Spirit. All right? And that's how you know God's Spirit is living in you. A tree is not known by its gifts. It is known by its fruit. How do I know that's an apple tree? By the fruit that it bears. By the fruit it bears. And as we love others, especially in moments when it's difficult for us to do so, we display his presence dwelling within us. That's what we display. It's not about allowing them to run you over. All right, you know who you are in Christ. They can't do anything to you that you, uh, that, that you don't let them do. Okay? But it's up to us to love them. And this one, this one, it might hit you kind of hard, but it's true. Third one, it, it is a sin not to love others. I mean, it is a sin. Is it, is it not a sin to disobey a commandment of God? Right? So then if he gave us a commandment, we have to realize then we're in sin. And that makes you no better than the person that you're not loving because of what they're doing, no matter how vile, despicable, and disgraceful it is. If you disobey God, you're the same. You are the, in the same bucket. Think about that. God wants his people to be light and salt. Okay, and if we're going to be light and salt, then if there's no darkness, where are we going to be light? 
I mean, it's easy to come in here and look around and say, we're the light of the world. Really? What are we lighting up? Everybody else is light. You light, I'm light too. We both got light. So, so what? But if our light's going to shine, it's got to shine in the darkness. If there's no unlovable people, how can we say God is in us moving to love people? Think about that. If we're going to be salt, what are we flavoring? I'm not going to flavor someone who's already flavored. You don't need to be flavored. Okay? They're out there. <laughs> They're not seeking God. They need the flavor. Come on, somebody. They need the flavor. And you have it. You have the flavor. You have the flavor. He desires that we point others toward the love, grace, and mercy that he gave to us that we find in him. Therefore, we must be set apart. We must walk differently. We must talk differently. We must love differently. We can't love the same way that the world loves. We can't love the way they do. We can't look at something on social media and then crucify somebody because of something someone else said. Right? I can't, we can't come in here and somebody says something about Brother Virgil and then all of a sudden I say, I knew he was like that. I could tell by his long hair and his beard he was going to do that. Just immediately. That's how the world, they just immediately start crucifying each other. And then all of a sudden it wasn't true. Well, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought it was. And they go back and forth. It's a roller coaster. I'm surprised. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Listen to this passage, another passage that, that you would know well, but Luke chapter 6. It, it says this. I'm going to start back up at verse 27, and I'm going to go on down. It says this. It says, but I say to you who hear. In other words, can you hear? Okay. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Come on, God. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. Ooh, this is, this is some deep stuff right here. <laughs> and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Man, come on now. This is getting deep. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Not do to them what they do to you. What you want them to do to you, you do to them. Woo. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? What credit is it for even sinners love those who love them? And if you do good to those who lend for, uh, to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. It's, it's, for even, even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Woo. Do good. Do good, do good and lend, hoping, th this is crazy. I mean, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to call your word crazy. This, because it says hoping for nothing in return. And that means hoping for nothing in return from them. God repays. That's a whole nother, we don't need, God, 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 God's got you. Okay, God, God, and, I, and if you think about it, wouldn't you rather have something from God than something from a man anyway? But it says, do good and lend, hoping. It doesn't say not expecting. Uh, you know, brother, are you going to give me something? But you know, Mike, he might give me something back. He might not. I just kind of don't expect it. That's not what it's talking about. It says, do good to others, lend, hoping. I'm hoping you don't give me anything back. Think about that. Hoping for nothing in return. 
and your reward, but that, see, this is where it is. Your reward will be great. And I don't believe that's just when you get to heaven in the sweet by and by. Because there's another scripture uh, in Luke where Jesus says, in this time and the time to come. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind. Oh, he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. He is kind to the unthankful. Can you say the same about yourself? Are you kind? I know you're kind to the thankful. Are you kind to the unthankful? That is the question that we have to look in the mirror and ask ourselves. Because our reward will be great if we're able to do this. You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees? They have their reward. They have their reward. But your reward will be great. We're talking about loving unlovable people. Unlovable people. What do we have to realize? What do we have to realize to be able to do this? Just let me give you a couple more things. Here's what we have to realize uh, about unlovable people. We're so quick to judge people based on what we see, based on what we see on social media or the news, or based on what someone else told us about them. It's interesting how quick, how quick we are to judge. And I'll even tell you, it's not that we're never supposed to judge or make righteous judgments. I'm not saying that, but I'm just talking about how quick we are. How quick, as soon as somebody comes out of someone's mouth, I knew it, I knew they were, we judge so quickly without any evidence, any evidence at all. And the thing about it is, you don't know their story, number one. You don't know what they've been through. Often, watch this, listen, if you haven't been listening, just listen to this one sentence, then you can go back to sleep, all right? Watch this, listen to this one. Often, judging another person doesn't define who they are, it defines who you are. How you judge people, it doesn't define them. It defines you and who you are. See, sometimes you judge others to make yourself feel better. I mean, I can admit that. I, I will. I'm, I'm standing up here in the pulpit, and I will admit that in my life, there are times when I have judged others to make me feel better because I wasn't in a good place or where I needed to be. And so I would judge them and say, well, you, you don't, you're not in a good place either. I've done it. Sometimes you judge others with a lack of information. We just, we do that. And you just don't, you don't know people's story. You don't know what they've been through. And so our job is to pull them up to where God is. Our job is to input grace into their life and mercy into their life so that they can know the Lord and they can be forgiven. That's the only reason we should be correcting anyone is so they can be forgiven, so that they would repent and they can be forgiven. That's the purpose, not to show them how wrong they were, but we do it. We have to realize that you have to realize you're loved unconditionally, all right, unconditionally. Think of the story of the thief on the cross. Remember that? There's the, the, the two guys and the, and the one guy right next to Jesus, and, and he said, Lord, forgive me. You know, at that point, come on now, this is it. This is the end. And Jesus didn't say, look, man, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you had your chance and you messed it up. I don't accept you. This is it. Look at me. Look at what I've just gone through. And you talking to me about forgiving you. 
at this moment in time. He didn't say any of that. How did he respond? He fully embraced him, promising him that they would be together in heaven. The repentant sinner could do nothing. He couldn't do anything at that point to improve his chances of being found good enough. But he was. He was found good enough by Jesus. Why? Not because he was able to get down off the cross and save Jesus and overthrow Rome or go do something good. Leave something in his will to somebody. No, because he turned his heart to Jesus. He acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, as his rabbi. And he repented. That was the work that he did. That was the work that he did. Jeremiah 31.3, the prophet said this. He said, the Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Watch this. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Remember I said, I, I love that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm not saying it's not true because to us we make a decision. But I'm telling you, before you made your decision, God was already drawing you. He, he made a decision to love you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, he says, I have drawn you. I have drawn you. You are forgiven absolutely. Absolutely. Luke 23, 34 said, Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You've heard that before. But think about it. Get a revelation of it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he prayed. He prayed that for them and subsequently for you and I. He didn't say if they act right or if they grovel, but he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. In this case, watch this now. In this case, they didn't ask for forgiveness. Jesus didn't wait to see if they were repentant, but he prayed for their forgiveness before that. He prayed. That's how much Jesus loves you and wants you to be saved and live an abundant life. That's how much. Guess what? That's how much Jesus loves the unlovable person or people in your life. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Pray for somebody like that today, tomorrow. Somebody who's unlovable. Pray for them saying, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't have a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. They've heard of God, but they don't have that revelation. Lord, I pray that you give them a revelation. Breathe a breath of life into them. Allow them to see. Allow them to see. That's the prayer you should have for them. And then lastly, God loved them before they sinned. We have, this is something we have to realize. You, you had no chance to ask for forgiveness and God already knew you and loved you. That's the same for everyone. Even those you despise because of what they do or who they are, God already loved them beforehand. Here's a little verse I came across. Man, it's just, this changed my perspective on so many things years ago when I came across. Not only when I read it, but when I finally got a revelation of it. You know how you read a passage or a verse a hundred times, and all of a sudden one time it's like, man, I didn't really understand what it was saying. This verse in Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance 
being yet unformed. And, and in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What does that little poetic thing mean? It means before I was even formed, your eyes saw me. You saw me before you even formed me. And you knew my days before I had a chance to live them out. Before there were any of them, you already knew it. And you made a decision to love me, knowing everything I would do. How is it any different for the unlovable person in your life? How is it any different? He already knew everything that they would do, everything they would say to you, how they would do you wrong, how they would offend you. He knew all of those things. And he loves them. He loves them. So you must too. If it's true for you, it's true for everyone. God loves every single one of us, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. He loves every single one of us. Now, all of us, all of us at one time or another have been judged unfairly. Think about that. Think about that just for a moment. Time in your life where you feel like people judged you unfairly. You didn't get a chance to say what it was you wanted to say, or they misunderstood something and you were judged, right? All of us have been through that. Remember how that feels to be judged when you're judging others. Remember that feeling of what you went through the next time you're judging someone else, okay? And then I'll say this, don't ignore those that God has put in your path. But ask him to help you begin to see them the way that he sees them. He loves them and he wants what's best for them and so should you. Watch this. The Bible says this, and I'll leave you with this. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's how we know what love is. That's how we know what love is.